You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Just a Touch. Hello, my radio friends. I hope it's going well for you, and I'm so glad you've chosen to tune in and listen to another program in the series, Give Me the Bible. Sometimes in these programs I share with you what the Bible has to say about certain subjects, and sometimes I share with you what I like to call the experiential dimension of God. What this means is how various individuals have had God intervene in their lives. It seems that in Western society that less people have these special encounters with God than in less developed countries. One wonders why this is so. The answer is probably due to education, scepticism, and the fact that we have free access to God's Word, the Bible. But God does and has intervened in the lives of many Western Westerners, including mine. I once heard a song that had the chorus line, Just a touch from the Lord is so good. I don't remember much else of the song, but that line has appealed to me, and it is rich in meaning. It is so true that when you have an experience where the Lord stepped in and made something happen that would normally not happen, it boosts one's faith and confidence enormously. Often, people approach God, asking Him to do something special for them when they're in desperate circumstances and only in desperate circumstances and this has been my experience more than once how did I feel when these things occurred marvellous elated and with a sense of awe that God would do this marvellous thing for me Another thing is that despite what the critics and others say about the non-existence of God, or that he has no time for our petty troubles, I personally have no doubts about his existence and no doubts about his care for us. I suppose the reason why many do not share these feelings about God is because they've never put him to the test. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, God throws out a challenge. The context of the text is about God's people being faithful to him and returning their tithes and offerings. What God challenges us with is this. Try or test me now in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven 
and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room enough to receive it. We're not alone in this world to battle through as best as we can. We have the sure promises of God. One is found in Matthew chapter 28, the very last verse, where Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And some versions say, even to the very end of the world. And then in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, God has said, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you. As I consider the various crests and troughs in my own life, I very much value the fact that God has been with me. And although there are many times when I've disappointed him, he has never disappointed me. He's never been absent or on leave when I most needed him, and he's never turned a deaf ear to my pleadings. Certainly, there have been times when I did not receive what I was asking for, but I had to accept that God knows better what is good for me than I know myself. The Apostle Paul asked for the thorn in the flesh, as he described it, to be removed from him, and God did not seem to do anything about it. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9, we see this, a pleading of Paul. He said, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you. At one stage of my life, I was involved in mining for precious gemstones. There were times when I would be in the mine breathing a prayer to the Lord, Lord, please make it today when I strike the jackpot. It never happened. I never did become an overnight millionaire. In fact, the mining venture cost a fortune and the rewards were practically zero. Had God ignored me? Well, I don't think so. Had I struck it rich, there is every possibility I might have become proud of my success. And pride, as you know, can lead to disaster. Instead, I was kept humble and obedient. The prophet Moses, who wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, had some very close experiences with the Lord too. He was born of Hebrew parents, but he was brought up in the palace of Egypt. And as a boy and young man, he was groomed to become the king, the pharaoh of Egypt. But Moses broke the law one day and killed an Egyptian. So he fled the country and lived in the wilderness of Midian 
where he became a shepherd, looking after not the people of a prosperous country, but a mob of simple sheep. But Moses experienced the Lord in many ways. Firstly was a personal encounter with God not far from Sinai, when God spoke to him from a bush that appeared to be on fire. God gave Moses the task of negotiating with the Egyptian king to let all the Hebrews who were slaves to the Egyptians to leave and settle in a country the Lord had provided for them. The Egyptian king refused to let the people leave, so the Lord brought plagues on the land and the people of Egypt. Moses saw the mighty acts of God. Then, when the Hebrew people did leave the land, heading towards where God was leading them, their way was blocked by the Red Sea. Moses also saw how God opened a path through the sea. Then later, when the people were thirsty crossing the desert, Moses saw how God provided water from a rock, how God turned bitter water to sweet, how God provided a cloud that covered them from the heat of the sun by day and a pillar of fire by night which gave them light and warmth. Moses saw and ate the miracle food, the manna that God had provided to feed the people. Moses saw how that when the people became rebellious, God sent poisonous snakes into their midst. He saw how that the bitten ones, by simply looking to a replica of a snake set up on a pole, how these people were healed. If anyone saw God's handiwork, it had to be Moses. Moses didn't just have faith in God. He saw firsthand what God did. Hebrews chapter 11 is often called the faith chapter as it recalls people and events where those people put their faith in God to do something miraculous and God did not fail them. I suspect that Moses had seen enough of how God worked, that by the end of his life, what he had could hardly be described as faith. Probably one of the biggest issues regarding this topic is whether one takes God and his promises seriously. Back in the times when I was a tertiary student, in the summer holidays, I used to work on a fruit block, an orchard, to earn some money. The apricot season began just before Christmas and would extend until mid to late January. The people I worked for were committed Christians. They kept God's rest day, the seventh-day Sabbath, and they paid tithes from their income. Generally, 
The summers were very hot, and it was important to pick the ripening fruit before it became too ripe and fell off the trees. Fallen fruit was left on the ground to rot, as it may have had dirt sticking to it, and fruit that was to be processed and dried must be clean. And any fallen fruit was a loss to the orchardist. The weather forecast at one time promised very hot temperatures, over 40 degrees, with strong winds. This was a recipe for disaster, as in windy conditions ripe fruit would fall to the ground and that would be a significant loss to the orchardist. To prepare for the inclement weather that was coming, we worked long hours, sometimes 14 hours per day, to try to keep up with the ripe fruit. On Friday, just before sunset, we all stopped work. The workers went home. There would be no work on God's Sabbath, despite the potential losses on that hot and windy day. As the evening began, my employers and I prayed that God would protect their assets and prevent the ripe fruit from falling while they kept the Sabbath as the Lord had commanded. And that was it. On the Saturday, they and I went to church. We're going to have a break, and I'm sure you'll be interested to hear the rest of the story straight afterwards. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. Yes, I'd rather be led. By his nail-pierced hands Than to be the king Of a vast domain And be held in sin's dread sway I'd rather have Jesus Than I'd rather 
be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. title of the program this week is Just a Touch. And before the break I was telling you about how when I was a student picking fruit in the Riverland it was going to be very hot and the people I worked for and me were keeping the Sabbath despite the terrible weather forecast. And as forecast the weather was atrocious. It was extremely hot and very windy. And we could just imagine the huge losses that would occur in most apricot orchards that day. In reality, hundreds and hundreds of tons of fruit were lost all across the riverland. Many growers worked that day and picked as much ripe fruit as they could. But it wasn't possible to successfully compete with those conditions. By mid-afternoon the wind had abated somewhat and I was curious to see what damage had occurred. So I hopped on my bicycle and rode several kilometres from where I was boarding at the little town of Winky in South Australia and went along the road between the fruit blocks. The damage was severe. Under the apricot trees were masses, carpets, of fallen apricots. This was the situation in all the blocks I rode past. All but one. My friends, I'm telling you the honest truth. I saw this with my own eyes. Although I was young and didn't realise the real significance of what I was seeing at the time, the block where I worked, the block owned by these faithful Christian people, the block where the owners had prayed for God's protection, there was hardly any fallen fruit. It was amazing. It had to be seen to be believed. Here, with these people resting on this day in accordance with God's command, and God kept his promise. That was a touch of the Lord that left an indelible pressure on me. How could anyone deny the existences ex, ex, sorry, how could anyone deny the existence and the promises of God? when he performed such a wonderful miracle for his faithful people. Of course, when Sunday came, we were back picking fruit as hard as we could go, but rejoicing that God had come through in keeping his promises. God had kept his part of the challenge. 
And that's probably a problem with many people. They often rely on other things when they're desperate and forget that God is waiting for them to contact him. I once told you a personal story of how God caused my motorbike to run without any petrol. I was desperate at the time, and God answered my prayer that night. There have been other things with me as well, but I'd like to share something that happened with a friend of mine. His name is Kensol Rui. He was a native Papuan, New Guinean, and I met him when he came to Adelaide to study electrical engineering. He was a fine and gentle man, soft-spoken, mild-mannered, and a devoted Christian. Before coming to Australia to study, he went to a remote village in Papua New Guinea because he felt compelled to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, with the people there. In the evenings he would hold meetings, show pictures, and talk to the people. After a number of weeks, one morning, there was a terrible commotion in the village, with lots of wailing and crying. Someone's wife had died in the night. Because Kensal was a man of God and had been telling the people about the power of the great God whom he served, a messenger came to the hut where he was staying and asked him to come to the hut where the death had occurred. Well, Kensal came, feeling uncertain about what could be done and uncertain of his own faith. Upon entering the death hut, there was the grief-stricken husband sitting on the floor with his dead wife's head in his lap. The lady was not breathing and had no pulse. She was dead and had been so for quite some time. Ken prayed a simple prayer that if it was God's will, that he would raise the lady to life again. Outside were many people, some wailing, some just interested, some waiting to see if Kensal's God was powerful, more powerful than their pagan gods. Moments after Kensal's prayer, the lady opened her eyes and began breathing. She had come to life and lived for many years after this incident. Had God not answered Ken's prayer, the people would probably have disbelieved what he had been saying and probably would have turned on him. As it was, many people from that village believed and became Christians. How do you think Kensal felt after God answered his prayer? Do you think his faith in the Lord was strengthened? Oh, it certainly was. My dear friends, God is a good God.
He cares for us even if we don't care for him. He is waiting for an opportunity to reveal his love to you, especially when you find yourself in desperate need. You know, there are thousands of stories recorded of where God has come through for people who've placed their trust in him and have asked in faith. But if you don't ask, you can't expect too much. But I need to warn you, don't ask for silly things, wants rather than needs. And I must warn you that God may not, in his wisdom, answer your requests just the way you planned it. But he does answer in the best way possible. And when he does, it will strengthen your faith and trust. You see, just a touch from the Lord is so good. Try him and see. Well, that's it for today. Until next time, I wish you faith, hope and trust in the one who loves you so very, very, very much.